0: Here in Alaska, it's very, very accepted that maybe you don't have running water and that's on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so you use an outhouse and you just always have. Um, and, And so we deal with, you know, we have the entire spectrum of students and entire spectrum of remoteness. And so a lot of people that do live a remote lifestyle, that's not a problem. Like that's not a problem we need to fix.
1: That's what you call a trailer. Um, you see, really well-produced podcasts often have a little bit of a sound bite at the beginning to um, entice you, give you a little bit of sense of what the conversation or what the uh, topic's going to be about. So that was from Allison Curry. She's an educator from Alaska, and it was my privilege to speak with her and hear her perspective on uh, how COVID-19 is impacting education in Alaska. And as you heard in that um And that little clip, uh, the idea of remoteness is not an entirely new or unwelcomed concept for the people of Alaska. Now, that's not the entire story for sure, um, but that's part of it. And that was one of the things I found interesting chatting with her. And you can listen to the entire conversation here uh, as I continue my series of what's happening, education and COVID-19. Enjoy. Enjoy. Well, welcome to another episode of what's happening in education uh, and COVID-19, and I've been privileged to talk to a lot of people, some people that I've known for a long time and other people that I really don't know that well, so that's part of why this is kind of fun to be able to do this, and today I'm with Allison Curry, who is going to share her story around all of this and, and throw in a little perspective from Alaska, which is kind of basically Canada but not. so uh, yeah 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 so uh Allison you want to introduce yourself first of all
0: sure um I'm Allison Curry I um teach in Fairbanks Alaska which is the city right in the middle of Alaska um right now I teach at a k-8 school Uh, I presently am a content area teacher I teach writing to sixth seventh and eighth graders but I've spent most of my life in intermediate straight grade classrooms. Um, I also teach digital citizenship as a class, Um, and our school district has about 13,000 students, um, 23 elementary schools, charter schools, Um, so we're a good size, Um, and I've been teaching for 21 21 years. I started teaching in 1998, so I guess this is year 21. Okay. Um, and this is the school district I grew up in. I went to K-12 here. Um, I moved away for a while. My husband was in the military and now we're back home again. So it's wonderful to be back home teaching in my hometown.
1: Well, that's great. Well, and again, gives you lots of, lots of credibility to speak on behalf of, and again, I, I, when I say that I, I I'm, my goal is just to sort of get, you know, as many people from as many different jurisdictions and places to share their experience. My first question is because this is the part that's sort of most near and dear to my heart: is what are you being told from your district, from uh, the state, in terms of this is what we need you to do in the foreseeable future? What what's the what's the task of the Alaskan teacher?
0: Well, to start with our timeline, um, we went to spring break on March sixth. Our spring break is very early, and so when. When we said goodbye to our kids on March 6th, we thought we were coming back. We didn't even know this was happening. In fact, I did a a presentation on COVID 19 with my class on Thursday, and the kids were kind of like, you know, I had to, you know, kick two kids out of my room for putting Corona beers on their Paradox slides. And, you know, it was a big joke, right? And so then um, uh, we went to spring break, and then all of a sudden it came out that we might not go, we might not have kids come back because the governor um, shut down instruction or in-person instruction until May 1st and then gave us two weeks of in-service. And at that point, um, it was obviously extremely confusing because teachers were gone on spring break. People don't usually stay in Alaska for spring break. They go to Hawaii, they go to Mexico. So not only did we have teachers not even here in town then we had the issue of them coming back and not being able to come to work because of health restrictions and so um, at the very beginning it was let us figure out what's going on and we'll get out information to you so the school district had about a week that spring break gave them a week of uh, padding so that they could kind of figure out what to do Um, when we came back we were in two weeks of in-service so teachers were working students non-contact. So we weren't expecting kids to do anything. Um, Last Monday was our first day of actual remote learning. So during that two weeks, it was um, the district did a really good job of putting together one set of uh, engagement activities on their website so that we could just tell parents to go there and choose your grade level. And they did that um, on their own. They really didn't have teacher input on it and that, but that was a good thing because it at least gave teachers time to kind of figure out how they were gonna attack this. And um, once we came back, uh, I feel like my school district does a great job um, because we have a teaching and learning department, which is obviously the, that tells with the teachers what to do. And um, they're very, um, they have a lot of empathy. They're all former teachers. Our superintendent was a teacher in this district. So there's a lot of like, I know where you've been, I get it. And from the very beginning, it's been, we have to be sensitive to our families. We have to be aware that there is so, there's a huge digital equity gap here. We have kids that have no internet and will never have it because they live in a rural spot where there just isn't broadband. And then we have kids with no devices. And so we were trying to figure out how to make that happen. But, as a district, the message to teachers has been it's okay to not recreate school. it's okay to just um, scale it back a little bit, you know figure out what you want to do, and then cut that in half and cut it in half again. Um, I haven't felt like they have been um, bringing down these big edicts upon us about what you have to do and not do, so I feel like they've been pretty sensitive to teachers' needs. It's been really good
1: well, and that you know and again, that's kind of what I'm. <laughs> Always hoping to hear Uh, anything. And and I just want to uh, build on that idea of messaging, because I I, I think in this time, leadership is so critical and communication is so critical. So has there been any really, you know, you I know you've touched on it, but anything specific from a principle or leadership, like like a phrase or a concept that just has been really helpful to you, a message that you felt like, okay, that I really needed to hear that. So I don't know if, if, if again, you, you may have sort of answered that already, but I just wanted to know if there was anything even more specific around that that's been uh, helpful.
0: Well, I've, I, one principal, it's actually a principal at one of the high schools, and my daughter goes there, my, so I I got this information. Right. But she put out a message that I actually started using with my own class, and that is um, because our we don't have grades, like we're not having, nothing's being graded this quarter. It's just being, you know, you're passed. <laughs> um, But her message was, this is the time to lean in. This is the time to lean into your learning and figure out what are the things that you wanna be better at in August when we start back again. And I'm all about student ownership and student voice. And this has been such a great message because in the normal way that we were doing things, there's no way I would ever say that or have the ability to say that to my kids because we're testing right now. And no kid is leaning into testing. And so that was my thing is is, is the that, that's one of my silver linings is that now we're finally able to say to kids, balls in your court. If you know you're having trouble with X, Y, Z, let me help you. Let, sure. Let's build that relationship. So now the, the the formalities are out of the way and we can really concentrate on those relationships. So that's been one of the, the best things I think that's come out of it for sure.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So again, I think about Alaska, I think that there's, Sort of uh, uh, just by geography and everything else, uh, a bit of a, a, a more of a, and I and I watch you know a lot of the Alaskan shows or whatever, so you get this stereotype or not that, that remoteness is uh, accepted as like and it's almost uh, cherished to some degree. So with that in mind and and knowing that like as you said, you have a number of students who just never have access. What is are you more? more, uh, at peace, I guess, with their remoteness and not having access because that's just how they've been. Or are you still trying to mitigate that in some way? Like, I feel like if, you know, in an urban setting, kids that don't have remote access or, or even in rural parts of North America, people are trying to do that, but you're kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like these people have lived with this remoteness for a long time and it's, I would think not a big deal. So talk to me a little bit about how you as a teacher and how those parents are sort of dealing with that.
0: Well, from the very beginning, we were planning on having an offline and an online track for our students to decide to be on or their families to decide to be on. Now, whether my school district could have fixed this problem from the very beginning, this is one of the conversations we'll have to have when we debrief from all this. Um, Every student that we have, whether they have connectivity or not, they they obviously live by a road where they can get to school, right? Nobody's taking a dog team to school, right? So we all have a road and i saw that there were districts that were doing where they put a hotspot in a bus and it would go sit in an area in a pocket where there's a lot of students and then the students could come walk over with their chromebook and at least sync it up um but i just don't feel like we were ready for that yet so i think it is an accepted thing that there are just going to be kids that are not online um and yes here in alaska it's very very accepted that maybe you don't have running water and that's on purpose right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so you use an outhouse and you just always have. Um, And and so we deal with, you know, we have the entire spectrum of students and entire spectrum of remoteness. And so a lot of people that do live a remote lifestyle, that's not a problem. Like that's not a problem we need to fix. And so we were able to put together grade level materials for, at least at my school, and I think this is how most schools did it, grade level materials for each student. And then we had spec- specified pickup times and the families would come and pick up, like here's my sixth grade bag. And in it was this packet that my team and I put together, a math book, a, a composition notebook, um, contact information for teachers so they can call us. So I feel like we, we weren't trying to fix the, that problem because we knew that it's something that we're just weren't gonna change. So we just planned for there to be two different ways for kids to uh, engage.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, when you sort of look at this, um, a little bit more long term, and you, you know, whatever, let's, let's just make the assumption whether we're right or not that this, this is to the end of the school year. And so this is just the way it's going to be. What are you most concerned with, you know, in that long term? And I know it's interesting that you've had this two weeks to sort of plan and prep, and I'm sure even within those two weeks, you know, you'll modify and change. But what do you think about long term being, that you're worried about?
0: What am I worried about? Um, well, I was, I, I'm a little bit worried about um, students, you know, my school serves a pretty marginal population. Uh, we are a title one funded school, so we have a certain amount of kids that are qualified for free, reduced lunch. Um, i our governor announced uh, last week that schools, physical schools would remain closed for the rest of the year. So until that point, kids thought they were coming back May 1st. But we get out of school May 19th. And I was like, they're not bringing us back for 12 days, you guys, I right. just know it. Um, but uh, you know, the, the thing I worry about the most is that there's an entire quarter of school that's gone by and I don't really worry about the content as much, but I know where some of my kids live. And I know what their lives are like. And it breaks my heart when they are at school. And now that they're not, and I know where they are. And that's the hardest thing for me is that as a teacher, we build these relationships and we just don't have the ability to help them right now just because of what's going on. So, you know, I have a virtual lunch group, you know, but the ones that really need to be there aren't going to be there. You know, so that's what I worry about. It's not even about the, will you learn how to multiply decimals it's you know how are you going to be okay get surviving until august when these kids come Mm -hmm. back and i teach sixth graders so they're not coming back yeah you know they're going on to another school so this was a big year for them Mm -hmm. and so that kind of breaks my heart
1: absolutely yeah no i think that's you're not alone with that with that same sentiment um so just a little bit on the lighter side so i'm always curious because i've i've worked at home for the last you know 10 years or so. So I'm used to this. And so it's not, it's not strange for me to spend a day. I don't want to say in my pajamas, but you know what I mean? Like I, I know all like this stuff is, but I'm always curious from a teacher's perspective who is used to, you know, a pretty tight routine and regimen during the day. What have you noticed in the last little while that you, you've just sort of caught you off guard, like, Oh, this is weird. Like I don't do this or like anything kind of fun or lightly just sort of hits you at the moment of this is just not normal.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been positive, obviously, not a freedom, but, um, it's hard not to feel like you're not doing everything you should be doing. Like, you know, when you teach an entire day, it's like, it's going left and right. And I'm always the person people come to, to fix things, especially computer wise. And so, um, that's been my thing is I have this automatic, like guilt that I'm not doing enough, (laughs) even though there's literally nothing I could do. I mean, I could go make some spreadsheets or something, I guess, but, um, but you know, for me, it's been completely positive because um, I can kind of take take things at my own pace. I got to set my own office hours. and um, But it is hard to just sit in a chair. Yeah. I
1: can't. I, I just,
0: you know, <laughs> sitting, sitting in the chair all day is it's right. not. So I usually take it in um, chunks. And I have a third grader who is um, not really great at wanting to do things on the Chromebook. So I t- make myself take breaks. But I just have loved all the... The family time. I mean, I yeah. I'm I'm a mom of a family where we don't see each other, mm-hmm. you know. Where ships passing in the night. My husband's a commercial pilot. It's like, uh, you know, hi, see you in 12 hours, maybe, you know. And now we're just here together, and I I I love all the the forced family time. My kids probably don't love it, but we love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. And you know, and that's that's the sort of the interesting dynamics is that there's some really sad stories like you've mentioned about your kids that are more vulnerable and maybe don't have a great home life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's horrible for them, but for people like yourselves, it's like, wow, this is, this is a gift. And how do we, how do we, you know, uh, not take advantage of what we need to. So, um, and then my last question is like when you think about school in general, uh, again, when we look back at this or when this starts up in September or, or whatever, what good then do you think, you know, besides your own, you know, personal, hey, this is great that we had family time, but in terms of education itself, what do you see as a potential positive that comes as a result of this?
0: Well, I think there are several. Um, I, I think, you know, you probably understand, like, when you've been teaching this long, you remember when it was like when we just had like one big Mac computer in the room and it was like the big prize possession, you know, and then we've watched EdTech just kind of take off and change through all this. Um, and so everything I do is in such perspective that I understand the way it used to be and, and the way education and just pedagogy has changed so much in 20 years. But I feel like right now we can really be a little bit of, you know, disrupting a little bit because, you know, educational technology was kind of on the fringe. It was one of those things where this is a tool you could use if you really wanted it, but you'd be fine doing your job right now without it. And now that conversation has switched into, wow. Like, we need these things in our lives. Mm -hmm. My thing with being a, like, I do a lot of training too, I'm always trying to make teachers more efficient. I'm never trying to change what they do, but I am always trying to save them time and realize they can get more done if they just learn a new skill set. And so that has been my big positive is that this conversation now has changed into there are tools out there that can help you be a better teacher, but you can still keep all the things that are important to you. And I have made uh, relationships with teachers in other buildings that I would never have met if this hadn't happened, because some of us have formed like a little task force where we're helping teachers reach out to each other in other buildings. And, um, And then the last thing is that now that teachers have this extra time, I know I'm not the only one that feels like I have a lot of extra time right now. We can now take this time and think about how we can actually grow professionally in a meaningful way because teachers are always saying, well, I don't have time. I don't have time and I'm not giving up my summer for that. Well, here you are, you're getting paid. You have all this time. Now you can have deep thoughts about how you'd like to grow professionally. Yeah. And, um, but the, the, the script is changing. We took away grades. We took away tests and kids are still learning. And, um, so then we have to have a conversation about, are those things really important? And I'm a big fan of competency-based learning. And standards-based grading. And so this, for me, it's been like, yes, like I think people are going to get it now. So that's been well, my silver lining for sure.
1: Yeah. And, and I just think about like, how do we, how do we not waste this time uh, w- without doing something in to, to your point and productive around really important conversations that we never have had time before. You got it now. Yep. So how do we do that? And again, you know, the challenge of that of course is balancing that with the fact that there are still teachers who, you know, maybe aren't as fortunate as you are, uh, you know, having a husband and, you know, you know, a a really great functioning family that are dealing with that on their own too. And so there's, there's, there's even that variance within the teaching community that we have to be sensitive and say, like, listen, first things first, make sure you take care of your family make sure people are well. And then, but at the same time, I think, boy, aren't those, aren't those the things that we should have been saying to people And students all the time like let's let's prioritize here what's important so we are you know as a result of this having to decide what is important and then like I love your I love the this you know the idea of leaning in when it's it is the time you know for those people that are ready to go let's lean in so yeah this is this is a fascinating a fascinating time in, in our in our lives that certainly we will we will remember but I hope that we do some things differently as a result uh to make teaching and learning even better. So thank you so much for your time. Of course. This was great.
0: Yes, absolutely. Funded fun to do this.
1: And maybe one day we'll connect again uh in a better in a better situation.
0: Yeah, hopefully.
1: Okay, take care.
0: All right. Thank you. See you Dean.
1: Bye.